Now more than ever, we need policies that bring us together, not rip us apart. And as governor, I firmly believe that not one cent of taxpayer money should be used to define and divide young Oklahomans about their race or sex. Hey everyone, this is Dylan Goforth. Welcome to another edition of Listen Frontier. Today I have Cliff Adcock in the room with me. We're going to talk about his story, really his series of stories over the last couple of weeks over some education bills, education topics um, that have been going on, uh, critical race theory, uh, social emotional learning, some things that everyone has probably heard about at this point. I'm going to kind of get into some of the background of his reporting, how he got into the stories, what he learned, kind of what his biggest takeaways were. So, um, Cliff, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, this week we published a story of yours. It was titled, After Banning Critical Race Theory, Oklahoma Lawmakers Seek Further School Curriculum Restrictions. It was a, it was a, very, it was a very, very detailed uh, story. And what I think is, you know, the inside baseball that everyone doesn't know is the final story was about probably like, what, 30% of the original draft that you submitted? <laughs> yes, it was. I, I had a New Yorker level uh, piece <laughs> in terms of length. So, yeah, so there's a, there's a, it's a topic that there is a lot of um, interest in and a lot of, but also a lot of background. I mean, it's kind of, the, things all play into each other. There's a lot of people who are interested in the topic and, um, you know, from all, I think, all sides of the critical race theory discussion. And so th there is a lot of detail into it. And there were a lot of things I learned from the story that I had not uh, known before and I had not heard um, before uh, reading through some of your reporting. So we're going to talk about that, the story and, and some of those things. Um, you know, CRT, I think one of the things that I took away from the story and just from in general, the sort of discussion around critical race theory and its role in the classroom is that it means, and we can get into this later a little bit in the, in the interview, but it means different things to different people where it's critical race theory ha has a meaning, but depending on who you ask, they are going, it's going to mean something different to them. Right. And so, um, you, you know, uh, with that in mind, talking to you about, um, about your story, what was the biggest thing that stood out to you um, from your reporting? Well, I guess firstly, uh, you know, because it means different things to different people, that, that's purposeful. And we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But yeah, that is definitely purposeful for it to mean different uh, things to different people. I, I think that the thing that really surprised me uh, the most was the, the high level of coordination there was on getting this issue out there by, by some of these national think tanks and opinion leaders, uh, basically to make critical race theory a culture war issue. Uh, and uh, so a lot of those groups that, that have been, uh, you know, pushing this down to the local level, uh, they're, they're also heavily involved in the school choice push, which we're seeing in Oklahoma now. Um, you know, and a lot of this came up from uh, the, the COVID uh, school board meetings, you know, when there were you know, all sorts of rowdy uh, school board meetings over mask mandates, critical race theory just sort of slid right in there beside that. Um, so I, I think the, the level of coordination and the level uh, to which uh, you know, some of these national uh, conservative groups went to push this out there and make this an issue, that, that was most surprising to me. And, and they kind of laid out the strategy right there open to the public. So. Yeah, that's what was really, and that caught my eye was that it's, and I think it's something that maybe like intuitively people understand um, that there's not, there's more than one purpose behind you know, the, the idea of um, uh, talking about critical race theory in a negative light. Uh, but to see it so openly 
you know, kind of like uh, the story about, you know, Donald Trump Jr. and then someone working on a story about it for forever and then he just tweeted it out. Like, you know what I mean? Right. It's kind of like, it's not a secret. It's right there in, there it is on Twitter and this guy's, you know, a series of tweets laying out the strategy. And we'll, like you said, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I was thinking, you know, you, you talked about the school choice push, um, social emotional learning, critical race theory, these different topics that were, that are very hot button issues in Oklahoma. They didn't just start in Oklahoma. They, these are, broader issues or national issues that are affecting everyone that have just sort of now reached you know Oklahoma somewhat recently um, so how does Oklahoma play into this the thinking of you know behind between or behind critical race theory and social emotional learning and and its role in the classroom what, what role does Oklahoma play in this right. well so prior to September of 2020 almost no one outside of academia had ever heard of critical race theory. I mean, there, there are some people who have, obviously, uh, but it, for the longest time, it was kind of confined to, you know, the ivory towers of academia. Um, so, so not a lot of people have, had heard about it um, until uh, September 2020, uh, when it, uh, a guy named, a writer who works for a think tank named the Manhattan Institute uh, went on uh, uh, Fox News host Tucker Carlson show uh, about these critical race theory trainings that were going on uh, by uh, in some federal government um, agencies uh, at the time uh, Donald Trump was president he came out the next day after the show said he's going to do away with these things and later issued an executive order on these um, so and it sat there for a little while uh, until early 2021 uh, when um, a lawmaker from Shawnee known as Shane Jett uh, had a bill that basically was the language from President Trump's executive order on this, uh, dealing with like divisive concepts and stuff like that. Uh, that bill died, but a lot of the language came back uh, in the House. That door was opened. That's basically. right. That's right. And um, it really, some of the lawmakers I talked to, they said, you know, it just hit all of a sudden. Like it was just kind of a flash out of the blue. And whenever it hit, they weren't really ready for it. Most of them weren't at least. It, uh, it sort of started um, uh, percolating in April of 2021. And so they, had, they said they went and found a bill and put uh, anti-critical race theory language in it and stuff like that. Uh, so Oklahoma was actually one of the first states uh, to adopt a ban on critical race theory, or, or at least the concepts that lawmakers say are part of critical race theory. So there, there's been numerous pieces of model legislation uh, from some of these national think tanks uh, that, that have been introduced into the Oklahoma legislature this, uh, this year. Uh, some of them uh, require, you know, uh, restrictions on curriculum like uh, banning the New York Times 1619 project uh, and, and requiring schools to uh, post curriculum, teacher training, you know, professional development classes, all online where the parents can look at them. And, and that is, that's part of the strategy too, uh, is, uh, or, or those kind of bills. Because if you look at those model bills, especially the transparency ones, you find groups like No Right Turn in Education, the Goldwater Institute, the Manhattan Institute, uh, all uh, putting forward these model bills uh, and Oklahoma lawmakers uh, pick them up and, and running them. Right. And so these bills, are, it's not just, you know, I think 
and this is again we're going to get into this at some point everyone they think of some of these topics under the critical race theory umbrella but really it's much broader than that i mean it's you've got um like you said the 1619 project you have the curriculum you have just the concepts of critical race theory that lawmakers talk about social emotional learning was something that i think again is maybe a concept that people understood but was not a term that was like on the tip of everyone's tongue you know until very recently uh, we've seen things here in other states about uh, library school libraries and what books that they can you know maybe have in the library or can loan out to students so there, it's there's a it's a broad issue with there's a very common thread and um, so as that pertains to Oklahoma what are the lawmakers here what are they trying to accomplish I and mean, what are they what's their goal right so, so if, if you ask them there and uh, some of the parent groups that uh, that have come out against critical race theory social emotional learning things like that they'll tell you they're trying to stop kids uh, from undergoing a form of left-wing or Marxist indoctrination in schools um, obviously that you know they I've heard it said over and over, uh, both during some of these conservative group meetings as well as some of the lawmakers I interviewed, they feel like the education system is indoctrinating their children uh, to have a, a kind of left-wing point of view. And uh, that obviously gets them pretty heated <laughs> because it, it's, uh, to them, it's antithetical to everything they stand for. Uh, and someone is teaching their children this. So, so the emotions get really, really ratcheted up. Um, at the same time, you can't overlook the uh, the political issue that it's that it's become. Uh, like I said, the, the people first started, you know, going to school board meetings and talking about critical race theory. At the same time, you know, these that they were going to these uh, school board meetings about mask mandates and stuff. Um, the Manhattan Institute, which I uh, spoke of earlier and who's one of their writers was actually the first person to launch CRT into the national consciousness uh, they uh, they actually did a study on uh, a recent study in January I believe is when they published it uh, that talks about how the issues of critical race theory and cancel culture for a, a, a solid number of Republicans I believe it was 30 percent listed uh, that in um, uh, critical race theory and indoctrination as the third highest concern um, uh, facing them uh, or facing the country above you know religion and morality and stuff. Uh, at the same time, they found that the the issue divides Democrats, right? So uh, more conservative Democrats uh, might uh, have a knee-jerk reaction of rejecting things that are labeled critical race theory or they think might be associated with critical race theory. Whereas you know more, more liberal ones uh, would would be more tolerant of it, um, so you know it's it's definitely a political winner, and there's definitely some political calculus going on. Yeah, it's keeping a, this out there. It's a topic that I guess they're saying would coalesce conservative voters and separate liberal voters. Right. Exactly. And exactly. you can't ask for more than that. That's right. Yeah, you, you get people fired up, and if you can get a broader coalition fired up. Uh, you're going to, uh, you know, you're going to advance your goals. There, there's also that's a divide and conquer strategy you know, politically. I mean, it's what you've right. you've got you've split Democrats or liberals into two groups and gotten conservative voters all tied up in the same, you know, fearing the same thing and fighting the same topic right. while splitting your opponents in half. Exactly, and, and you also put put them on the defensive. You know, if someone tries to say, well, no, this. 
know, I'm not against teaching critical race theory. Critical race theory isn't taught in schools. Then you look like you're defending something that has been defined and cast as a hateful ideology uh, against, mostly against white people. So uh, it, it puts the person who, who might be not, you know, be viscerally against it in a, in a very awkward position, while someone who is against it, you know, is going to have an easy time saying, yeah, we need to get, you know, get this out of our schools and stuff like that. I, I, there is a bigger overarching goal, I think, too, uh, that involves, uh, you know, the history of America. Uh, you know, who, who controls the narrative on uh, America's history? You know, um, a lot of, uh, some, some of the lawmakers I spoke with, you know, said that, you know, they, um, they feel like uh, some of the more inclusive history, the, so things like 1619 Project, for example, um, you know, just make America look bad, you know, and there's, there's this, you know, worry that if you make America look bad when they're learning about this, then you're going to eventually make the children hate America, and uh, then the country falls apart, I guess. So, so it's, yeah, it's kind of a battle for, for the history of America. You know, who gets to tell what history? You know, that, I think that's the larger, the larger overall arching goal. So getting back to the bills themselves, I mean, we've heard from, you know, we've, I think we've obviously, both of us have been at the Capitol a few times in the last month or so. Um, you hear from educators at the Capitol, um, you know, who are lawmakers or even just educators who are up there. Uh, you, you hear from teachers and school officials and the public who are not in favor of these bills. I mean, most educators, I think, are not, you know, obviously in favor of, of these bills banning curriculum or, or that might ban books or put, you know, punishments on teachers or school librarians or, or however far these bills end up going. Um, what do the opponents of the bills say uh, might happen if they become law? What, what's the fear and wh who do they think the changes will impact and how? Well, the opponents um, of that fear that it's going to it's going to impact teachers directly, you know, right off the bat. But long term, there's going to be a um, lot worse consequences for the kids that that they're saying they're trying to protect, and for for the country. So, so the, there's a worry that the laws are going to have a chilling effect on teachers um, when they go to teach subjects like the Civil War, or about slavery, or about the Civil Rights Movement, and that by that red line being there in that curriculum about what you can and can't say, even if it's totally reasonable. Uh, for instance, you know, one of the 1775 basically says uh, you can't teach that one race is uh, better than another, or you can't, uh, or that one race should inherently feel bad uh, because of what has happened in the past, or something like that. So, you know, the, I mean, I, I don't know anybody that teaches that. I, I you know, I, I tried to find examples, but no one, at least here in Oklahoma public schools has brought forth an example of someone saying that you should feel bad um, at least not that I've seen it might be out there um, but uh, but the the issue is that is that teachers just because that red line is there in that subject you know about you can't if you talk about this or if you teach these concepts or teach critical race theory which isn't in the bill or the law that was passed it's just concepts that they said outside of the bill and press conferences were associated with critical race theory. Um, you know, teachers not knowing where that line is 
you know, it makes them nervous to talk about that stuff. Um, or, you know, they might shy away from it. They might just give a, uh, to, to avoid conflicts with the law, they'll only briefly touch on issues of race uh, in their lessons or, or um, you know, just gloss over some of the stuff and try to hurry up and get away from that part. Uh, rather than having a broader discussion with students about um, the experience of black Americans or American Indians or other racial minorities and um, you know what the effects of uh, the historical events they're talking about uh, had on those people um, and so the bigger fear is that without those discussions in the classroom uh, when kids are you know learning to adapt you know and in school obviously is much of a uh, social adaptation and social learning, uh, you know, to, to be with your peers and interact with your peers, as, as it is, you know, math and, and English and things like that. So what, what the fear is, is that they'll, um, kids will graduate and they'll be ignorant of those histories and those discussions and those other points of view. And so when they get out in the world, they're going to be completely ignorant of it or they're going to be hostile to it. Um, and that, that's kind of what the, some of the fears that critics have about this. One part of the story that, uh, and we've teased it a little bit, I guess, but one of the part of the story that really stood out to me was um, the part sort of near the end about uh, Christopher Rufo, and you, you quoted him who, he is, you said he's a former journalist who works for a think tank now, you quoted him talking about how the goal of um, these, I guess what you would call anti- critical race theory group or, or you know these groups who are launching this sort of like national uh, push to to demonize critical race theory the goal is to tie seemingly disparate things to critical race theory basically putting all these topics under that banner so it sounded like what he was saying was that it's easy to get people riled up against critical race theory it's a topic that you know like you talked about earlier Republicans were and conservatives were very quick to latch on to. This is a bad thing. We don't want it in schools. We don't want it taught to our kids. It's harmful. It makes our kids feel bad about themselves, whatever. And then it's, Rufo's point seemed to be that it's easy to get people riled up against CRT, but the true goal is to make it so that any topic that m might sound scary to parents or make them uncomfortable automatically in their mind gets kind of put under that umbrella and so that it all when you're when you hear CRT you're thinking of all of those things and that's may, maybe how I mean like to me personally when I started hearing when they added you you heard people add social emotional learning to discussions about you know what's banned in the classroom and it's right there side by side of critical race theory well it doesn't have anything to do with it but now in people's minds these two things are kind of inextricably tied together in some people's minds. Um, and so I thought that section of the story that you wrote on Rufo and then just sort of like his uh, mindset in particular was really enlightening. I just was wondering if you could maybe talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I know when the, the uh, Shane Jett's social emotional learning bill came out this, this session, when, when it was first introduced, you know, before the session started, a lot of people were like, what, what, what is this? What, what's going on? Well, I mean, why would you want to ban something like that to, you know, for, for what looks like to teach kids empathy. Well, it's been linked to critical race theory and inside a lot of these um, uh, more conservative parent groups and um, uh, conservative organizations, think tanks, stuff like that, it's, it's, they link it directly to CRT. 
Um, so I, I think it'd be good to read Rufo's first his quote. You know, shortly after the the issue with critical race theory. So this was 2021, day. right? Whenever 2021. he, right. whenever this was, he posted this on Twitter in, in a reply to someone who was talking about how critical race theory had been basically had been almost the term itself had been like essentially blacklisted right exactly and, and it was rufo that first went on tucker carlson's show back in september of uh, 2020 that first brought it up it, he was writing about it uh, for a um uh, i believe it's called the city journal uh for the manhattan institute uh again that think tank that's uh, been doing studies on reactions to crt as well as um um, offering model legislation. This is a think tank that's been around uh, since the 70s. It was founded by a former CIA director, uh, uh, Casey. Uh, but what, what Rufo said was, uh, quote, we have successfully frozen their brand, critical race theory, into the public conversation and are steadily driving up negative perceptions. We will eventually turn it toxic as we put all of the various cultural insanities under that brand category. The goal is to have the public read something crazy in the newspaper and immediately think critical race theory. We have decodified the term and will recodify it to annex the entire range of cultural constructions that are, are that are unpopular with Americans. So right there you could tell I mean that's that's adding, you know, we want this we've made we've succeeded in making this quote unquote brand toxic. Now we want to start putting other things into it that we don't like. <laughs> so, so you can see how what critical race theory actually is almost isn't relevant anymore. It's, it's what people think it is. Right, yeah, that, the term itself now has this power that it didn't have before. That's right, that's right. So um, now he's also tweeted, uh, I mean, pretty directly, you know, the, about uh, some of the transparency bills, some of which we see here in Oklahoma mm -hmm. that have been offered up, but as far as schools posting curriculum and professional development, stuff like that. Um, now he and the Manhattan Institute actually uh, offered model legislation on that specifically, and that there's several there's a couple bills out there that are based on that so you know basically in that tweet rufo says that you know we're we're uh uh doing this school transparency thing because that makes liberals have to come out against transparency you know which is a liberal value so we're making we're we're exposing their hypocrisy by doing this um so you know he, he kind of offered several strategy uh insights there on Twitter um, but basically you know this this comes down to a battle for language you know it's it's basically reverse advertising so if you can classify something you don't like as being under a brand you've already been able to make uh, associate with being toxic uh, it to the work of organizing a campaign to turn the public against that thing is already halfway done all you have to do is solidify the link between the issue and the brand and you're there uh, it's very easy to get people fired up about something uh, uh, branded as critical race theory. If, if you're being told by someone you trust or someone you look up to that this new thing is uh, actually part of this toxic brand you already know is a direct threat to and is assault on your children, that tends to cause a lot of anger and, and, anger and anxiety. But I, I think what Rufo's quote shows that, that, that there's this level of cynicism among these high-level political operatives about how critical race theory can be used as a vehicle to further their own policy objectives by stoking the flames of passion among parents and throwing out issues that basically hits people right in their amygdala. 
Yeah, that's the part. That's what I think is most interesting about it is just the ability to, you know, like we talked about, wrap different things under one banner because now you can, it doesn't even have to just stop at where it is now. I mean, if they've been this successful at putting different topics under, you know, the concept of critical race theory to make it sound scary so that people's first reaction might be, you know, I don't want this anywhere near my kid. Well, it, that can doesn't have to necessarily stop right now. There can be other topics that in the future are roped into that. It can be a strategy that's used in things that are not related to, you know, to parents and students and children in schools. I mean, it's that's a it's a very political strategy brought into a very um, it, it brought into the world in a very micro way in this way, and then you just can see how the effect that it has and the widespread effect it has. All these states now, you know, lawmakers passing bills like this on something that, on terms that people had never heard of, you know, most of us two years ago even. It's just, I don't know, I just, the, the way that it is such, it has been such a, um, a powerful exercise, I don't know, I think it, it is really interesting to me. And that was the most interesting part for me of your story right. was seeing that kind of in the text, you know, the, the process and the thought process behind how this all came about. Um, you know, that now you're, Oklahoma, I think specifically because of the background of the, or the backdrop of the last four or five years with public schools, teachers, um, the, you know, Governor Stitt's now relationship with public schools and with teachers and, you know, all, even things like vouchers have all been wrapped into this one discussion now. I mean, it, it's all, it's all sort of become one topic, and it's just really interesting to kind of watch that play out, especially as we just have begun, you know, a legislative session um, where we're going to, you know, see a lot of uh, bills about this kind of thing and a lot of discussion about these topics. Right, right. And going back, going back to kind of your first question, this kind of ties back into there, uh, you know, about what, well, you know, what did you find, you know, uh, the most interesting thing? Is that, that high level of coordination, um, you know, from some of these think tanks, um, you know, and Rufo and, and all these other think tanks that, that have offered stuff up. They, you know, it's not only, they're not only offering up, uh, you know, model legislation and doing studies on it. They're, the, I believe it was the Heritage Foundation is also uh, pushing that. And they've had, they've had videos, you know, to introduce speakers at local, that they distribute for some of these local conservative or Republican, Republican events. Uh, there was one I was watching from the South Tulsa, uh, South Tulsa Republican Women's Group. Um, where they had a speaker and they introduced her with a Heritage Foundation video. The video showed like Black Lives Matter protesters marching in the streets interspersed with, uh, you know, Nazi brown shirts. And then it shows uh, like white students, young white students, like kissing the boots of, a, uh, of this black guy. And, and so, you know, that, that stuff fires people up, especially when they think it's their own children that, that they're trying to uh, get someone to do that, you know. But, but being able to, you know, suck in these other issues into the, you know, black hole of critical race theory is, uh, you know, important for them to, to achieve their goals. There, uh, earlier this year, there were administrative rules that were put out uh, by the State Department of Education on uh, critical race theory, about how they're going to administer this law, House Bill 1775, that uh, was passed last session. And there was a big effort uh, by uh, some, some GOP operatives, including the former state superintendent, Janet Barisi, uh, to have this have this letter writing campaign. Basically, they they GOP sent out a template for what 
other people should send into the Department of Ed Education. Basically a model letter saying, this, is, this section should say this, this section should not say this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it was part of an effort to get uh, AstroTurf, I guess, you know, to, to make it look like a grassroots thing, but all the letters say basically the same thing. It's just different, uh, different um, people's names on it, you know. And, and during, during one of those meetings back in January, uh, Barisi, you know, told, told this group that, uh, she said, quote, um, it, well, she, she was saying uh, social emotional learning, you know, isn't, you know, what you think it is. It's, it's actually really bad. It's just, she said, quote, they have taken this and twisted it. Uh, a child, according to them, is experiencing trauma if they have to live in a white dominated society. Uh, every child then is in trauma and has to be reprogrammed. That's what she said social emotional learning is. The former state superintendent of education of Oklahoma. Um, and she's obviously, you know, has some influence in the way people think about education, especially conservatives who, who you know, are kind of back her. And, and to see her saying that, that's obviously going to create a solid link between those two things, uh, you know, right there. So um, yeah, it's it's like I said, it's it's kind of a war uh, war of language at this point. Yeah, well, Cliff, I appreciate sort of um, the insight into uh, your reporting and into the story. Is there anything else you want to address? You know, part of your reporting before we get off here. Ah, uh, man, you know, it's <laughs> there were several situations, you know, in in going to this or finishing this story where, you know, I, I would I would go to some of these events, go to some of these groups. Uh, and, and I was actually working on the uh, the story about the uh, curriculum restrictions as well. That was originally part of this critical race theory story. It got broken off when I had heard that um, you know the the attorney general had this list of books that he was looking at under the states. Um, oh, that was a story that from a week or two ago right. about the <laughs> yeah. the attorney general investigating books, and then he eventually came out and said that he right. was no longer going to do that. Exactly, and I remember asking some of the uh, proponents of the uh, sort of lawmakers uh, uh, of um, these library restrictions what. Um, you know, well, what about uh, you know classics like of mice and men? I, I hadn't gotten the list yet. I didn't know that it was on there. You know, what, what, you know, would they you know undergo a rating system or be pulled off shelves? And when I would bring up one of these books, I, I actually brought up Brave New World to one lawmaker and uh, of mice and men to another. Neither one said they could remember how it went or how it ended. And I'm like, well, so you're good, but you're going to ban them though. <laughs> so so it, it's kind of you know. It's easy to make an issue and get parents riled up about this sort of thing, um, but for the most part, it's you know just finding people who speak the same language. It, it's because when when someone talks about critical race theory and they're a, a college professor at OU, you know, a political science or something like that, that means something very different than what um, you know a local Joe lawmaker says or or a parent at a school board meeting when they say critical race theory so um you know I, I think i think understanding what it is and what it's become is, is important if you're gonna you know look at these issues or, or consider these issues all right cliff well i appreciate it uh very much thanks for like i said thanks for that kind of insight into the story and how you reported it my pleasure thank you all right we'll talk to you later